Hey, welcome back to Defy the Norm podcast. Okay, we took a huge hiatus because I divorced Victor for two months and now we're back together. I'm just kidding. No, we've been um, impossible for us when we are at our home base in Polson. It is impossible for us to record. I don't know why. I think it's just what the layout of the house is. It's never quiet. Or somebody's always recording for YouTube and then we're working and it literally the last time we did a podcast was when we were in Destin, Florida, and we put the fifth wheel in storage. And then I just went and got it out of storage a month ago. And I was on a road trip without Victor. And so this is our first time where we're back together. We're actually though in an Airbnb in Lander, not in our RV right now. So we have the ability to be back in the studio, not in the back of the truck. Instead, we're in um, a a room, like an actual room. It's weird with four walls. I'm going to freak out pretty soon, but okay. So today we're talking all about the Enneagram and we're going to go deep dive because the Enneagram has been on the forefront of Victor's and my arguments. I mean, conversations for the last day. So let's go. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box dream big and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Right, so thanks for joining us today. Um, Robin and I decided to hop on a little bit. We've been, how do we put this, at each other's throats for the last couple hours, and we figured what better way (laughs) to heal than to just put it out there for everyone to feel, see. The The reality is, you know, we've been in a relationship for almost 30 years, and relationships are relationships are work, but the only thing that we come back to is oftentimes now pulling in to giving an understanding of personalities and personality types, Enneagram, and how that's really can lead relationships down a really difficult path. Now, I just spent the greatest amount of time away from my family for a month. And it was truthfully completely of my own choice. I just did not feel like I am not ready to hop in a truck with seven people and drive 2,500 miles. And so I stayed back with Daniel and I was hell bent on growing a platform, gaining clients, getting leads, getting this razor sharp focus. And as you can imagine, since we're hopping hopping on, it just didn't happen. It totally imploded on me. And then I right now I'm currently with the family. We met up in Lander because uh, Gabby's doing a TED Talk in about a week. And it just brings up all of this, stirs up all this emotion because frankly, I felt like a complete loser not having made, accomplished what I needed. And so I decided to hop on a little bit and so we could talk a little bit about Enneagram and how that's linked. So can you give us, if this is someone's first touch to Enneagram, Robin, quick couple sentences on what that is. Okay, so the Enneagram is represents your core desire. 
but your core desire is really based on a defense mechanism of your programming. It's how you adapted to the influence of your parents, um, to you know your edu- your young years of education. Um, for example, I'm an Enneagram Eight. An Enneagram Eight um, is often called the Challenger. They seek uh, intensity. It makes logical sense given my and a lot of times we talk about natal charts and other uh, and neurology and yeah in a, in other um, sorry podcasts or on our making mindfulness fun YouTube channel with uh, my daughters but I can see looking at my natal chart I was our, I would have been either a one or an eight but because my parents were divorced I ended up becoming an eight and a self protective eight at that where you guys hurt me, I am going to set up this personality that cannot be hurt again. And so it becomes, it just becomes kind of your defense mechanism, but it really was, the more and more you understand Enneagram, the better you understand kind of like where, where your belief systems and where your personality is going to take you both good and bad. Victor was a type two. Now he was, if I look at his natal chart, he was a very sensitive, kind, caring person, but because his parents were so overwhelmed, they had four kids, they didn't have much money, he, he became the helper. His defense mechanism was as a type two to, to self-sacrifice and fill the role of helping his mom and and he received validation through that. So, well, every- on, let me interject a little bit since it is me that you're talking about. I, I, yes, absolutely, and it was a, a bit of a parentification. Plus, I was also sacrifice above all else was the most important thing that I learned. And real early on, if I asked for something, I was like, "Hey, dude, we're just too busy right now. Don't ask for that." My messages was, "Well, well, don't want anything ultimately because." You're not going to get it anyway. And so just just act in service. And that's how you will potentially get attention, right? Yeah. And to be honest, like when Victor and I first met, I was 17. Victor was 19. And we were probably, well, I will say for myself, I was a very unhealthy version of a type 8. Um, I was very controlling. I just very much in the self-protective mode. And so it was really good that Victor like literally came in and helped me. He protect, you know, he provided this element of where I could let down my guard a little bit. I felt protected. There was definitely escape, but over the years, decades now, you know, I, and especially through our lifestyle and especially through my sports and all these other things, I've learned to be a very healthy version of an eight. And so truly like a healthy version of eight doesn't necessarily want a lot of help. I mean, they can take it, but it's not their core need. They're, they're pretty independent. Um, and so I end up in the space of like, Hey, I don't really need you. I want you. I want you to come have fun with me. I want you to go travel with me, come rock climb, come have, just come enjoy life with me, but I don't really need you. It's easy to see when we have babies you're exhausted and you want somebody like, oh my gosh, please just go get the baby. They won't stop crying. Please change their diaper. Please feed them another thing. Like all of that was really, really good. Our relationships did amazing when our kids were young. But when we got to the point where they're independent, like I just traveled for a month with the four of my five kids and they're just such gamers. Like the sense of efficiency and how much 
things get done. Everyone just knows what's expected of them. Uh, Jirai and Tati, our youngest, like we can drive eight to 10 hours and they just put on headphones and they're like, they've got a few snacks. They're good to go. Like there's nothing. And, and so this element of like needing somebody to come in and serve isn't, isn't, um, it's not needed. It's not needed. And, and to interject a little bit, it's, that's sort of what my Enneagram thrives on is like to feel needed. And so it's created this it's a catch-22, right? So I don't want to be needed because I'm not needed. I also tend to steer towards apathy and disengagement because that's not where it is. And then I can easily, as a coach, I can throw myself completely into that because I am needed there. But then that's defining me. And here are the challenges with Enneagram, and we'll go a little bit into more overview so that you can give people that are listening an idea, some steps that they can do to, first off, test correctly. That's rough. Uh, Second, to be able to project, look at what they're doing and project how to help themselves move through that and be a healthy version of that. And third, what steps can they use to integrate and navigate uh, through a relationship? Sure. Will you remember those three? I won't remember, but yes. Yes, yes I'll remember those <laughs> okay. three. So the, one of the biggest problems, is I highly recommend it if you're in a relationship with someone or and, and whether it's good or bad, first off, it can kind of be fun to, to go figure out what you guys are, right? So what would you recommend with that is? Well, our Enneagram Cheat Sheets and our personal, Precision Personality Hacker, I'll link below, is a really, really good way to do it. Um, but your best way is just to have a to set up a coaching call with Victoria, and we can we can okay fine just with me, and we can peg it because I'm just kidding, <laughs> it's extreme viral, um, because I can usually this is why I say natal chart is so important. I can look at I can kind of have an idea like yeah, there's some numbers that kind of cross over like I said. A one and an eight. Sometimes it's harder. You're a one or an eight. Sometimes a five or an eight. Sometimes the a number, seven the and, a, and a two. Or sometimes a four and a seven or a four and a nine. There's a lot of ones that, that get to be a little bit hard. Like Or two and a six are, are those hard. But the thing is, is like you have to be able to have enough mindfulness to know your core desire. Because whatever Enneagram you are, you have a wing. So if I'm an eight, I could have a wing seven, a wing nine. Most people like to think that they're very balanced in their wings, but as you become more mindful, you might no- you should notice that you really tend to swing into one of your wings more often than others other times. And there's the problem is is that your wing is the behavior and that's what people start to identify. So they mistype a lot of times as their wing instead of what their core desire is. So let's go back a little bit. Enneagrams one through nine. We just identified that Robin's an eight. I'm a two. Within the Enneagram, you have neighboring numbers, just like you would on a scale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, Each of them is identified very simply with a term like Robin was a challenger. Um, uh, You may go through each of those. Yeah, let's identify just simple. One, two, one. And then then they can understand uh, the wing draws you a certain way, right? Yeah, and actually another way, a good way to test is honestly just watching a bunch of our YouTube videos on making mindfulness fun. If you just have an idea of with the ones I'm telling you right now that like, oh, wow, a one sounds like me, just go watch the whole one playlist and you'll know real quick like, oh, yeah, that's so me or not. But a one is a perfectionist. And it's called a perfectionist, so. 
and it's not even so much a perfectionist in like there's a good chance if you use a labeler or if every <laughs> single yeah make tons of lists although fives tend to make a lot of lists too um you also very morally driven like you have in your head like what's right versus wrong whereas an eight doesn't have that all right um and two is the helper uh they really their big thing is they want to feel needed uh number three is the achiever very status driven you are always looking for the next win the next success um, again, it could be confused with an eight, but the eight is more uh, likes the challenge of achieving something, not necessarily the achievement itself, not necessarily the status. Three is itself. more status, yeah. Four, we t- we joke a three never has a hair out of place. <laughs> Four um, is the individualist. Tend to be a little bit quirkier, like ex- a little eccentric, or just kind of own your own self but you have this real big desire to uh feel a sense of belonging and it's um one of those that you might you you see that you're special you notice that in yourself but sometimes there's this um contradiction in like i love i love my uniqueness oh do they not like me for my uniqueness but i'm so special but oh do they not do they not like what i'm saying right now so you have this yin and yang that you're kind of battling with Uh, A five is the investigator and very data-driven, likes to research, often doesn't pull triggers. um, They'll they'll get all the information, love doing that part, but they don't necessarily take the next step that they need to take. And they tend to um, be kind of selfish with uh, hoard their time or their resources. They don't, they're not going to... Uh, burn the, they're, they're like in the way opposite of the twos where they're like well I, like this is my time first and then I'll, I'll meet then I'll take you yeah uh, six is the loyalist they um, dep- uh, very trust driven or they look f- to authority figures for trust or or swing the other way to complete distrust um, they're a little bit more, I don't want to say totally fearful because not all sixes are fearful, but do tend to be more safety, security minded. That's, um, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Sevens are the, the enthusiast. They're all about fun. Where's the party? Like they want to keep everything positive. In fact, that's the big thing with sevens is they really deny um, all negative emotions. They don't want to go there. It's like, just let's just throw some humor on it. Eights are the challenger. We seek intensity. Um, very, very driven people, but we tend to not do our emotions. It's not as like a seven that we deny our emotions. It's just like, we don't need it. Like, we, we don't need them. We're, we're going to figure things out um, and push through and kind of like, uh, if there's a will, there's a way. Nines are the peacemakers and they totally... They just don't want any conflict. They're, they tend to be very kind, easygoing, don't really have a lot of opinions about what they really want. They just like, whatever you want. Like, to get them to make a decision sometimes is hard. Um, that pretty much wraps up a summary of that. So that's a quick summary. Um, it takes a little bit more time to figure out. Hopefully, though, it gives you kind of a steering, uh, an initial reach out. Like, hmm, I think I'm drawn towards this simple description. And once you go to those or cheat sheets or any others, you'll start to see the list of core, core desires. Does that mean you can't have anything from another list? 
Absolutely not. I think one of the greatest problems I had is because I actually visualized myself more as this three, but it's how I acted or presented myself in the world as opposed to what my core desires were. Now, to get back to how that, how that integrates and understanding what that healthy version of each of those. Within each number, if Robin, if you could share a little bit, um, within each number, there is a healthy and an unhealthy version of each of those numbers. And oftentimes, obviously, um, if you're that unhealthy version, that's going to lead to dis-ease or dis-ease. You're going to start having trouble in your relationships. And this is where I think it can be invaluable to know your partner's Enneagram because you can identify these tendencies. And it's not, look, this is not fuel for the fire. You should not be using it. Oh, you're just an unhealthy type 8 right now. No, what you're trying to do personally is I set back like, okay, I'm acting like that that manipulative martyr too, which we have a tendency to do, where we're like, you're not reading, you're not feeling my feelings like I feel your feelings, the hell with you, you know, and, and, and it's important for me to step back and go, okay, um, disconnect from that, this healthy version is more this way, and come back into the relationship in a dialogue where, where it goes forward. So Robin, talk a little bit about the health and unhealth of each of those numbers okay. um, and how you can identify and why that's important. Now, you don't need to go specifically in any one, but if you will use a couple for an example, especially using us, I think that would help a lot of people. Um, some of the challenges we face, uh, particularly with the sparring, which I, I still, every time we talk, is a massive trigger. So yeah, eights like to spar. We like to. Um, I wish to be... I wish it was actual sparring. That'd be so much easier. That's not what we're talking about. Go ahead. Um, so for for an eight, I think the the thought process that's going on, at least in my mind, is um, I'm going to seek intensity. I want to achieve all my goals. I want to like I want to be the best version. There's always like to me, I'm always looking at well, how can it be better? How can it be better? How and so for me, like. I like meeting people and asking them questions to gather data, to gather information. Oh, I didn't see it that way. Oh, wow. What do you think? I love basically um, spitballing ideas with people and concepts. Uh, and so for Victor, like, he doesn't do that at all. He's very much... Wait, 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 wait. Let's backpedal. Like, okay. Spitballing is different than what I am perceiving when we have a discussion, Right. And even the word sparring and spitballing are completely different. Spitballing is like throwing out ideas. What sparring in, insinuates is a level of aggression, right? Well, I guess technically, wouldn't sparring would be an evolution for our relationship. Because the problem is that Victor and I don't even get to spitball because most of the time if I say, hey, hey, what do you want? What do you think? Like, where should we go? What do you want to do here? What do you, all these, what do you usually say? Whatever. Or? I don't know. Yeah. So the problem comes for at least in our situation of a date and a two is that I'm looking for somebody to spar with me on ideas. I'm looking for like when I go to talk to Gabby and Isabel while we're traveling, hey, do you guys want to go to this campground or that campground? Do you want to climb here? Or do you want to climb there? What do you guys want to make for dinner? They have opinions and ideas. So they could be like, Oh, no, no, I want chicken salad. Oh, wait, wait, I want spaghetti. No, I thought we were going to go to Canyon City first before we got dinner, things like that. So to, as an eight to me, I'm very much like that feels like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Oh, but what about this option? 
And so I think the hard part for, I know the hard part for us as Aiden too, is that Victor, if I say, hey, do you want to, do you want to move back into the RV April 1st or April 15th? I don't know. I don't care. Um, do you want to, do you want to record a podcast about something? Sure. What do you want to record about? I don't know. Do you want to go skiing in Breckenridge or Keystone? I don't know. And so we end up in that escalates because there's not that element of sparring. But let's go back to healthy and unhealthy. For me as an eight, in stress, I become a five or I take on some of the unhealthy qualities of a five, meaning I saw this very much in myself in 2020 when I realized what was happening in the world. I saw the the totalitarian um, movement coming in and I was like, oh my gosh, I fell into so much research. I needed to gather all the information and like create this huge so many layers of defense and then eventually like not even like defense like physical defense just like defense like outs in my life I had to be like okay I can seek safety here okay I have food supplies here okay so I went to that and then I realized oh this is not actually like I am I am more stressed by knowing stuff and being this far prepared that like okay I had to take a step back and I really had to work on surrender which is a big thing for type eights if you can step into surrender and just trust. And I'm going to, hopefully we'll have time. This won't be a two hour podcast, but um, talk about that in the end to me, I think all of this comes back to chakras, but. Um, yeah, but that might be, that might be going down the rabbit hole of now crossing from Enneagram to chakras, but. But we're going to go through but, numerology to get there. Yeah. So to, to go with a two. So for me, a growth is a two. So I have to have compassion. There's some irony coming guys. So I have to be at like what a healthy version two is in like, hey, like I'm empathetic. I'm compassionate. What do you, what do you need? Like this is my defense wants to be protect myself. I want to chase what I want, but well, no, I'm not supposed to gather data, but I want, no, if anything, eights overall don't need the data. That's the thing. Their, their gut instinct is usually right. They just know what, what they need to get done. But just because they know doesn't mean the rest of the world's on board with that. So, so a big thing is just being able to pause as a type eight. I notice it all the time. If I just in a conversation with Victor and I just take a breath for a second and just wait, then there's silence forever. <laughs> you don't chime in, but oh, what was I supposed to talk there? <laughs> no, oh, I was just I was being. But silent. normally we go. Anyways, um, as a type two. In stress, he actually becomes more like a type eight where it's like aggressive. So it's probably creates this huge duality in his brain to think like, wait, wait, I'm supposed to spar with an eight, but wait, in stress, I'm an eight. So that doesn't make sense because I'm not supposed to spar. And so we always go back to, no, in, in your growth, you're a type four, which completely makes sense because a type two wants to serve. And when they serve too much, they turn to anger, like a type eight. Well, and that's not good. Yeah. And so their best thing is to learn how to align with their own sense of self. And type that four is so yeah. good at owning who they are. And as a type two, to be able to know how you want your eggs and where you want to go, what sport you want to do, what type of business you want to run. To be able to step into your own individualism is huge. And hopefully, maybe next year, we'll be able to talk about how that happens. Right? No? What? Well, you're working on that one, right? 
Well, apparently, isn't this what we're doing right now? This is, I believe that's. Are you owning your? Are you owning your your? My quirkiness. Yeah. I don't know. The, I'll I'll let the listeners decide that. It sounds too systematic right now. Too systematic. <laughs> we just. I'm harnessing my inner Mark Moss. I'm going to show You're you. You're not, three but reasons. Mark Moss isn't a two. Oh well, I don't know. I, is there anyone that films a podcast that records a podcast as a two? I don't know. I don't listen to. Yeah anything. right. See. Yeah right. Well, I do listen to a few, but I listen to like three people and they're not twos, that's See? for sure. But I wouldn't listen to it. I two. wouldn't listen to it too. <laughs> you guys should just turn it off right now. <laughs> okay. So let me go real quick. A one. One, it totally makes sense that you need to step into a seven. One's your perfectionist. You want everything done. Again, you want your towels to look a certain way or even folded a certain way. Everything has its place. <laughs> Lines in the carpet with the vacuum. <laughs> Everything. You have to <laughs> embrace type 7, be fun, be spontaneous. spontaneous. Okay? Makes sense. A type 1 in stress, uh, my, my spacing. A type 1 in stress, I believe, is like a type 4. Um, see, I should have my cheat sheets in front of me. But I'm pretty sure a 1 in stress becomes a type 4 in the sense that if you're already a perfectionist and then you lay on the element of like, I want it this way and I am so unique and special and like can you imagine how your ego could like spiral to an unhealthy level that would make it hard to interact that's why it's like oh it's so great that you have this morality and you have this sense of spatial harmony now like just let it go for like 10 minutes a day and just just let loose like leave the leave the toys scattered across the floor for ten minutes longer than you can stand, then pick them all up and put them in their labeled boxes. Uh, we did two. A three, uh, a three grows to be more like a six, which Gabby, my daughter, is a three, and to see her grow to a six is very interesting because she's such an overachiever, and I love seeing how much she's just stepping into this element of trust. And I mean, she's always loyal to us, to, to our family, but for her to like be able to rely on other people and have these healthy qualities of a six, I mean, I say it over and over, like just it's a whole trusting part, trusting, surrendering um, is really helpful. Uh, a type, let me stay with three, six, nine for a second because they make a circle. A three grows to a six in stress, they're like a nine. So it's not always good for a three to become too, I don't want to say lazy, but like too apathetic. Threes need to have a goal. When they're in too much of stress, they become uh, a little too passive. You don't, they don't want to become the peacemaker. That's not healthy for them. If you're a six, though, it is healthy for you to become more like a nine and a peacemaker. Because as a six, remember, you have all this like desire for safety and security and loyalty. And you and, need to be more and of you a little need to just kind of relax. It's why like a one and a six can mistype. Because if you're a one, you need to be more spontaneous and playful like a seven, but if you're a six, you need to just like kind of relax more like a nine and just be more easygoing, go with the flow. Um, it's like a different shift in your trust. Now, if a six is acting like a three, super achievement driven, I gotta get that next medal, I gotta get that promotion, well, that would be a stress for a six. And then the nine, uh, nine grows into being more like a three. It makes sense too, because if you think about it, if you're a nine, you're kind of the peacemaker, easygoing, and it's healthy for you to start and push yourself outside your comfort zone and try to achieve some goals or set some goals for yourself. Um, that could be really healthy. If you become very fearful and security driven, then that's usually a sign of a stress. 
Uh, a four becomes more like a one in growth and more like a two in stress. Um, a, what number, a five. Five becomes a seven in stress and an eight in growth. Um, I think we see a lot of su successful entrepreneurs who are fives that grow into eights because the five is really good at gathering all the information and in growth, they can take the lead, take charge and make things happen. A seven inverse, they grow to more like a five, which makes sense. My son, Jirai, he's always like, it's a party. Let's just have fun. And if he could take his great ideas and like systemize them, add some research, keep a little bit of more um, accountability to his time, he can be really successful. A seven in stress, though, becomes like a one. I see this a lot in a lot of people I know where their younger self, their pre-kid self, was very much like, yeah, let's have fun. Let's yeah. have it. Where's the party this weekend? And then all of a sudden you go to their house and they have everything labeled in boxes. I'm like, whoa, this is not you. I know that that's a and seven in stress. <laughs> um, yeah. I said eight and we said nine. So whew, that covers them all. Okay, so... I have that, another important that, part. Okay, hold on a second. That that's a huge, a huge, b little bolt, kind of a thirty thousand foot overview of this stuff, and hopefully it gives you a little bit of insight. There's a lot of numbers going back, but once you start taking that to looking at, sometimes on paper, um, on one uh, one of the programs that we'll have linked, um, it should start to help you understand who you are, who your spouse or partner is. And go, oh, this is how why we've been navigating this incorrectly. Because these are, look at this. It says right here. Show them that these are your needs and core desires. And dang, if I'm not giving you that. Right? Okay, go For ahead. Sure. Well, another interesting part of the Enneagram is that of the nine numbers, you have three uh, numbers that are have a specific emotion behind them. And so if you are in the eight, nine, or one, you're in the anger triad. Eights totally express their anger. You know real quick if you're with an eight because psh, it just, it, it comes out and then they let it go. They could care less. I have no idea what that's like. And if you're a nine, you um, kind of like fall asleep to your anger. And so it might not be there very often, but then all of a sudden it'll like erupt. You're like, whoa, what is that? Ones you bury your, you like really push that anger down into resentment. So big thing that's important about that is to recognize like for, if you're a type one, that's how, that's an easy way for sickness and disease to happen. Because in future episodes, we're going to talk about how much your emotions are causing you to be sick. If, if like, take it for example, like cancer, a lot of times that is an emotion or a trauma that did not get processed in the body and it's being stored there in that tumor. And so we really have to be, a, it, it just gives us more motivation to recognize like, oh shoot, as my type one, maybe I need to have a healthy outlet for these emotions. Maybe I need to actually notice that I am anger right now. I am really mad, but I've told myself, because remember, ones are very morally driven, that it's not acceptable to show emotion. A two, a three, and a four are part of the shame triad. And um, I'm going to say these wrong. Uh, one of them falls asleep to their shame. Uh, same thing, like one shows their shame, 
one falls asleep to it, one um, doesn't like, isn't aware of it or, or pushes it down. Um, it's probably in the same order where it's twos express it, threes uh, don't really realize it's there and fours um, like just completely uh, bury it inside. Five, six, and seven, you guys are the fear triad. Um, so I, again, I might be saying these wrong. It doesn't really matter. The point like sevens for sure. You guys like are completely in denial of your fear, but it is there. And so you have to recognize, you know, the big thing is like, even if you're a parent, this is huge. I think of Jariah, you would not think he's, he's so fearless. You think, but I know as his mom, how much I have to help him bring awareness to his fear. And he even like, we, we talked through it. Yesterday he was climbing this crazy route and he started freaking out at the top and just like kind of like nurturing him. Like, hey, man, it's okay. Like you're, you take, but I make him take the fall. Like, hey, you're going to sit there and you're going to either take the fall or you come down. And so he wouldn't take the fall. So I'm like, all right, you have to come down. And he came down. And he's like, I was just so scared. I was so scared. I was so scared. I'm like, I know you're so scared, but the rules of climbing are this. You're not going to just sit there and freak out at your bolt either come down or you're going to go, you're going to attempt the next bolt and take the fall. And so I let it. And then after I let it, he's like, Oh, I see how you did. And he went back up and led the whole thing and crushed it. And he's like, I'm sorry. I was so scared. I'm like, try it. It's okay to be scared. There's nothing wrong. It's just that in the situation, I want to keep you safe. And if he draw, if he was scared and went too far above his bolt, he would risk getting hurt by not making a smart decision. So to me, I'm like, you either like start moving and make the fall in the transition, but you can't just stay in there freaking out. Okay, that was the important part, the, the triad. Okay. Victor, I'm tired. <laughs> Man. Oh, I was exhausted. This is, <laughs> maybe I, I, my secret is working. She will be exhausted from talking for this podcast and I will be off the hook. No, I'm just kidding. I'm never off the hook with this one. Uh, so, so now I want to, Talk about like simple steps of uh, of some of the simplest things you can do to integrate. If a couple, for example, is having trouble, um, not much, not like our, ourselves, you know, and how we can draw upon that, how they can draw upon that, what they should do. Should they sit together w- with it? Do you think they should sit together and like evaluate their Enneagram and then be like, okay, He's let's... not going to like the answer to this. Uh, or... <laughs> Sorry. Or are are you know you're coming to we call it, we call it contracts right talk about your contract theory like a, yeah. a lot of couples will evolve and everything is relationships are easy when things are going well guys. Well, not only that before kids you you don't realize or maybe do you realize that a marriage is a contract or even if you're in a relationship you have hopefully a said contract with each other but more times than not you have an unsaid contract meaning. You have an expectation for that other person to fulfill something in you. And that's where relationships take a turn for the worse. Because early in the relationship, you can let some of those expectations not be yeah, met. Wow. And, and they're like, ah, it's all, right, it's all right. But you add kids and work and money and all these other issues. Then all of a sudden... You know, that's when the fighting starts and that's when these things come up. And the problem is, is that we don't stop and just go like, hey, what's your expectation for what our life should look like? Meaning, like my answer to almost everything is scripting. If you can script out to me 
what your perfect day looks like. If you can script out to me what your dialogue between your spouse looks like. If you can script out what your business looks like for, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting business, what does that business look like? Whatever the thing is, I, I used to do it with homeschooling. I knew exactly what I wanted the relationship with my kids to look like, exactly what I wanted the homeschool day to feel like. When you can script it out, then you can get to the point where you're like, oh, I didn't realize I had this expectation of this person. So it could be something as simple as like, say you're super happy with your job, you do a great job, but you come home at night and you're just like, and and your spouse is sitting um, on the couch scrolling through Instagram and you get mad. Like, oh, I just had a hard day. I wanted to, like in your head, maybe you're thinking, oh, I just want them to drop everything and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're here and give them a hug. Well, Maybe that happened early in your relationship, but 20 years later, maybe you're just like, oh, yeah, it's you again. Hey, what's up? And so we start to, depending on our Enneagram, we start to maybe bury that shame or bury that anger or express that anger. You know, the, there's definitely, uh, a t- right? It's a link. Yes. You're maybe yeah. going on that. or yeah. yeah. No, no. I like, yeah, go ahead. Keep going with that. So you have to first do it on yourself. As an eight, I have to sit and go, look, I'm to be completely honest, like I don't want to go on a road trip with Victor, but this was like the fifth one or something I've done without him because I finally got to a point that I'm like, I can choose to be to I can either choose to be in fear of being alone, or I can choose to not align with where my soul feels happiest. Meaning I would before ask Victor, okay, he, you know, when we first started traveling, I, I changed. I did. I'm like, but it was before we started traveling, actually. I, I love, all of a sudden, I love the outdoors. I just love spending my days surfing or hiking. I loved nature. I loved connecting with my kids. Um, and I love new places. And so we started traveling and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, there is something in me that I had been denying up until this point. I, you know, before I was straight A student and and worked a lot and always like make sure my kids did above and beyond their grade level in homeschooling. And then I shifted. I was just like, I don't think there's like this is life. Being outdoors, experiencing this together, um, pursuing some form of flow state. Was you know, it wasn't like I was a great surfer, but just being able to connect with the ocean, connect with the trees. Like this is it. So once you, once you uh, work on your own Enneagram and you find wherever that thing is where your soul comes alive, where you're like, oh man, this is the true version of me. This is what I, what I want. It's really hard to let that go. And so there are a lot of years where Victor would just be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. And then he was always unhappy. And so we got to a point where I'm like, okay, well, either I have to stay aligned to where I feel happy and and just be, and it was hard. There are so many, I, I'm saying this and I'm thinking of when I was in Alaska, driving to Alaska, how scared I was one night thinking, oh my gosh, we're apart. Something's going to happen to either me or to Victor when he's away. And how will I ever, how will I ever deal with myself? Because I took this risk to go with the kids and drive to Alaska and he didn't come with me. And that, like, there are so many fears now, this last time, I've done it so many times that I didn't, I don't battle that fear as much, probably because as a type eight, and like you have to at some point surrender, you have to surrender, and just trust that, 
that um, that things are going to work out and that things are not all in your control. You want to add something to that? I, I don't know actually where to interject on that because we're because of that. I, I think what you're getting at and what I'll make sure everyone's understanding is that when you identify your Enneagram and then you can then align and figure out what makes you happy, then you can, when you're in your relationships, you, you can realize that you're coming together from a place of happy and happy. Yeah, um, I'll give you an example. Like I tell Victor, his 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 ideal version of himself of like growing as a two into more of a four um, probably, probably these would have a different job. Not that he's not amazing at his job. It's just really hard for him to navigate how good he is as a, I mean, we talk about Myers-Briggs, like he's a sentinel personality type. They do great to just be plugged in as the employee or the manager and to, for him to have to, ne- to do both the job and work on the marketing and lead generation. It's just not in his wiring. And so for a type two, he'd be great if he could just be like, boom, I plug in, I do my job. I'm a type two in my job and I am great at it. And now I'm clocking out and I get to just go be my quirky self. But the problem is an entrepreneur, you're never, you never get you're to never clock off. out. You have to be think, and for someone like me, I love that. I love the fact that I get to think business all day long, every minute of the day, except when I'm in flow state. That's why I chase extreme sports because it takes something like that to get me to not think about business. When I have to be thinking about not dying, I don't have time to think about business. But for his personality, I get it. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. He needs something so that I clock in at eight and I clock out at five. And then now at 5.15, I get to be a goofy dad. Like when we had Island Tumble, our business, he got to do that so much more. Just be like quirky dad and, and or quirky gymnastics coach. And it was so much healthier for him. But because, yeah, if I was, so there you go. Victor just quit his job. He said, if you want to hire Victor, I'm done. let me know. Yeah, I'm hiring. Um, because he probably would just, if we just switched jobs or maybe if I was just more successful. So. Yeah, tell me how to make my podcast better, you guys. <laughs> um, okay, so who? What do you so, do with that? So okay, let me let let's let's just really complicate things. I'm going to tell you the the easy solution that is not easy, but you can't mistype on this. In order to remember, your enneagram was your defense mechanism to. However, your parents effed you up, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, we all do it. No matter what, no matter what your parents, have you read Celestine Prophecy? It's like, if you have an aloof parent, then you become the investigator. Do you remember this? I remember you, What it, were yeah. the two? I couldn't tell you that. I don't... Yeah, you have like, so, so we're in, we become in generational cycles, right? Your one parent was like really hard on you. So then you go to the other end of be like the conscious parenting movement now where we express all of our feelings and... And there's this like swing back and forth, this yin and yang that just happens generation after generation. Well, if you if you can just go like, all right, fine, I, I'm an Enneagram six or whatever I am. That's just that was the defense mechanism I had to the fact of this is the skill set or this is the this is the mini trauma my family, my parents gave me. 
And then, honestly, at the same time, if you can practice a little heart chakra opening and just forgive them, they're doing the best they could. But, but you got to move forward. You got to script out what you want to be. And the easy way to do it, I think, this is what I do with coaching, and I think it creates a very um, tangible path, is you look at your numerology. So Enneagram could shift depending on your programming, depending on uh, how you reacted to your upbringing, but your numerology is how the stars and the astrological field, all the planets, were aligned. And if you don't, like at the simplest form, uh, think about yourself. You feel energy vibrating in you. When you're angry, when you're sad, you feel it in you. You know darn well when somebody walks in a room that has high energy or low energy or sad energy or angry energy. Energy exists. Okay, well, if your body is actually 99.999139 energy, right? And think about how much of your body you can see and that's tangible. That's a whole lot of energy in your body. Now, can you imagine that each of the planets has its own energy field and that energy creates this, this stamp on your body when you're born. And it plays such a role in overcoming wherever your Enneagram is or helping you to your Enneagram growth. So again, there's nine numbers in numerology. And they, they don't necessarily overlap with Enneagram. They, those numbers help you understand what the thing is that you have to process in order to move past whatever this Enneagram block that you're kind of stuck in, these behavioral patterns, this neediness that you can't break free of, or it's really like, not even neediness. I mean, I think about my eight control. It's, it's a fear. There's a fear there that I have to control. Victor is like a worthiness, right? Like, ah, I'm just not worthy if I'm not helping. We have to be able to trust and let go of that. And so with our numerology, you add up your birth dates. My birthday is 7, 6, 1976. So if you go 7 plus 6 plus 1 plus 9 plus 7 plus 6, you get 36. And then you add up those numbers. 3 plus 6 is 9. So I have a numerology 9. That tells me a numerology 9 is integrity and wisdom. And in order, depending on how your numbers are, are set up, for example, my daughter Gabby is just a 7. You add up 1, 1, 2, 2, 0, 0, 1, you get 7. So she only has really one number to work through. Victor, if you add his up, he comes up with 32. Three plus two is five. So I'm a 36, nine, and he's a 32, five. And quite honestly, when we get into arguments, I end up just thinking like, okay, we just need to work through these numbers. If we work through these numbers, we can get to where we want to go. To work through a number three, that's expression and sensitivity. That is throat chakra. Throat chakra is all about like express yourself. What am I feeling? How can I express it? As a type eight, if I can express it with compassion, that's very important. As a type two Enneagram, if Victor can express that with assertion, remember an Enneagram two doesn't want to rock the boat. They, they just want to serve you. They don't, they don't know that they have desires. They do have desires. They just don't realize that they do. So by being able to go, oh, wait, my first roadblock is expression and sensitivity. Huh, what am I feeling right now? And how can I learn to express it? Cue Victor, what do you think? Do you think that that's the first block that we're trying to get past? For us? Yeah. 
I didn't think so. I thought I was actually more um, connected to that than obviously any of the other. The uh, My next number is discipline and freedom, right? Freedom no. and discipline. No, that's your last number. Oh. That's the ultimate. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't think so, but obviously being where we're at, then obviously I'm like, well, maybe I expressing every moment is not a natural thing that I think that I want to do. Like, for example, today when we rock climbed, uh, she, she, Robin's impression was that I was unhappy. I was like, no, it was pretty awesome out there. I'm like, it was beautiful and the sun was out. And it's the first time I've been out in beautiful sunny weather on a rock wall, the views and the vistas, the wind. Uh, I was with my family. This is the longest stint I've been without them. It was It was awesome. And she's like, well, you never said anything. I'm like, well, he do was I like need to? literally stoic man. Hmm. But, but to, in his head, he's like, well, stoic man is good. There's no emotion. Isn't that good? And if you've read um, Lewis Howe's uh, School of Greatness, talks about that, right? Like, so Victor, and I, I mean, I can tie any of these things together, but as a type two, too, like his, the defense mechanism was you help, you serve. It wasn't, let's talk about our emotions. Right. Let's, and so he was trained on top of that, like, emotions don't matter. But it's very obvious to me that his first step in, like, us being able to be better at, at uh, communicating. I mean, I said it earlier. I said, the problem is if I go, hey, do you want to move out this day or this day? Whatever. Hey, do you want to go here or there? I don't know. Hey, do you want this or this? I don't care. So the fact is, is that that in and of, of itself is the first hurdle because em- expression and sensitivity isn't so much I mean today it would have been cool like if we were climbing if you just said like wow I miss being outside this is so nice to be outside like it didn't have to be like woohoo it was just like hey you didn't even once I mean it'd be cool like don't get me wrong but it'd be great if you had fun up there but but it was just so stoked there was zero emotion and zero communication of like I really I would never have thought like he he looks like um victor likes as type twos it's really healthy for you to stare in nature for a long time Mm. and so to me it just looked like he was just taking in his surroundings but it tends to be almost as a in a protective way like on guard as opposed to like ah this is so great there's there's like not necessarily this relaxation and if you've worked work with victor if you see him you know he always has that cross arm stance that's not true I'm ready, like, don't mess with me, which is not Victor at all, but he does have that that guard up all the time. But anyways, expression sensitivity. It's like, I know for a fact that our our relationship doesn't evolve until he can have a desire that he communicates. Hey, you know what? I'm sick of grass-fed beef. I want lamb tonight. I don't know. I, don't, I could care less about yeah. that, but sure. Anything, like, just to have, because as a type eight, I can't spar. Like, I, there's no... It's just blah instead of like, give me something. Like if you at least like, hey, I want I want chicken tonight. I'm like, well, are you sure you want chicken? Do you know most chicken is is <laughs> but it'd be something at least to talk about. Um it he always goes back to numerology, his the five is discipline and freedom. Um again on making mindfulness fun, we have more videos on this, but he so in order to get to the life purpose, Victor's actually, his highest version of himself is really adventurous. He will eventually, just be patient with us. You'll see. 
he actually really, really wants to go have fun. And occasionally in 30 years, I've seen it and I know it's there. I know it's just like waiting to break out and be like, uh, for a little bit at Red River Gorge in, in the fall, right? You had, you had a little bit. I plead the fifth. Oh, that's expression sensitivity right there. I can't share with anybody. <laughs> See, you just, walk, you just walked into that trap, man. Jeez. Yeah, well, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Oh, yeah, I was, I was so fun there. <laughs> no, I just said you had fun. At Kel- there were a couple days that you there, had fun. For about a minute, man, it was a blast. No. <laughs> I'm sure yes, there was. Yes, there was a few. There yeah. were a few good days. Um, we went to, but, but it really, like that version of you is all about its external discipline for internal freedom. Right now, Victor feels like he creates a whole lot of structure to stay in that defense mode right like you don't yeah. allow yourself right you don't allow yourself to have fun i'm sure it's it's hard it's hard for guys it's hard in the world right now there's you know we're about on economic collapse and he's like you want me to have fun when like this is happening I'm like yeah i do <laughs> yes can't you just go like just go for route ones have fun and then you can worry about the state of the world um so Enneagram, did I leave anything else? Numerology is your is easily. We'll have to, we're really gonna, huh? Yeah. We'll have to go more into numerology and understanding it and why why the path to like health and wellness is all tied into both all of the things that you heard today. And then having a good understanding of who you are at, on a deeper level. Um the Enneagram, it's we're not putting you in a box. It just helps Yes, we are. We're absolutely putting you in a box. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be in a box. Um, but it'll give you a better understanding of what you need to feel amazing. And when you feel amazing, you can bring your best to a relationship. Yep. Is okay. that it? I think, I, yeah, that's Did you ramble enough today? Yeah. It's a lot of